When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, what a penalty! What a penalty! Mitch goal in five games! He really needed to have nerves of steel here, didn't he? Penenkaresk. Hello and welcome to the latest in the lockdown interviews. My name's Sam Davis. I hope you're all doing okay. Now, if you are listening in a timely manner, you'll probably be expecting a normal back of the net. However, myself and Jeff, we're taking a bit of a break for the FA Cup and how ironic would it be where this is the year where we win some silverware? Well, to be honest, we have already, haven't we? The Betway Cup. What a match that was. Our route to the final was difficult, but we dispatched West Ham with the clinicality that we all want to see. But Cherries at the weekend, they faced Oldham in the FA Cup round three and we won 4-1. It was an impressive second half showing against Harry Kuehl's men. If you're missing the match dissection, well, during the game... Myself and Tom Jordan, we did a watch-along on our YouTube channel. And plus, at full-time, we provide a brief synopsis and player rating. So if you're wanting to catch up some reaction from that cup game, then just head to our channel at youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. And, well, if you're not a subscriber to that, you may be interested to know that uh, we managed to grab a 40-minute chat with Professor Brian Cox, who... Until last week, I never realised he's an Oldham fan. So he gave us all the insight into life and the latics. Do check that out. It is a superb listen. So on this show, who we got in store for you well Bournemouth has always been a club that's been associated with fast free-flowing football and as a result of that we've witnessed plenty of goals over the years and an array of strikers and on this show we have a couple of guests that have lots of experience hitting the back of the net for both Bournemouth and their other respective clubs they were both born in the south they're both five foot nine and they've both played for cherries in the noughties and the 2010s well, firstly, we got Matt Tubbs. Now, this is interesting because Bournemouth have actually been drawn at home in round four of the FA Cup against Crawley. So it could be the team he scored many goals for versus his boyhood club who he supported as a lad. By the way, in the fifth round, if we do proceed, we then have Fulham or Burnley away. So it could be the Peter Rutzler derby. 
But Matt Tubbs, he was a player who netted 49 goals in 65 matches for Crawley. A ridiculous record. He had a loan spell at the Cherries in 2008 before completing a permanent switch in 2012. And his goals, well, they were a crucial part of Cherries reaching the championship. Plus, Josh McCoy, a player that came through the youth at ASEB after a brief spell at Saints. He made 63 appearances for us, joined the Cherries' first team set up in 2006, and his goal-scoring form, well, it got better as time went on. In November 2010, he scored a hat-trick for Bournemouth in consecutive home wins, something which probably created a path for his move away to play championship football, where he joined Millwall. He returned, though, in 2012, was alongside the likes of Frano, Ritchie, Graben and Fraser up the leagues, and an international for Northern Ireland as well. He's currently plying his trade at Weymouth. So in this chat, we've got the aforementioned duo, plus myself and Jeff Hayward. Matt, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. Really pleased good. to have you here. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Josh McCoy. Josh, how are you? Uh, yeah, good. Thanks, guys. Good. Really pleased to have you on. Uh, Josh, firstly, congratulations. You've uh, you've had a busy old week by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, my second daughter, so it's been a bit hands-on at the minute. But yeah, good to get a little uh, break and do this. <laughs> excellent and it's been a challenging year for most of us i've got to say uh matt how have you been coping and uh you know what have you been up to recently yeah it's not really affected me too much really because i i'm teaching at brockenhurst college at the moment so obviously education just stays as normal so the only difference that is we have at the college is we do a remote monday so where we work from home we have a portal called teams which i'm sure everyone's aware aware of now and um yeah, we deliver lessons online on a Monday and then we go in to our working week then starts from Tuesday to Friday. So not not too much has changed from, from my point of view. Yeah, excellent to hear you both well and uh, still involved in sport and football and all that. Josh, expecting big things of Weymouth, so you better get back out there and make sure they get promotion into the league, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, we obviously done well last season to go up. Obviously, our... Um manager at the time as Mark Mosley as you'll know well so um but he left and then Brian Stock come in another another Cherries legend so that's yeah, been an interesting season so far we had a Covid scare and all that sort of thing so it's been a bit stop start for us but um yeah I think the main aim is to stay in that league um we've got a young team um but yeah no I'm enjoying it down there it's good so let's uh let's roll back the years then guys um before we get on to your Cherries exploits, what are your first footballing memories? Matt, do you want to pick that one up first? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. Um, like growing up, I used to have a, I used to quite like Sheffield Wednesday growing up, and it's a really random footballer that I'm sure you guys will know. I'm not too sure Josh will know, but um, David Hurst. Yeah, I know. So I, remember, yeah. I remember watching him in an FA Cup final, and I kind of had this love for him because I think he scored one of the goals. And um, so I think that was one of my sort of first memories of of football. And like I said, it was you know ages ago that was. So that was probably one of my first sort of real memories of of the game. So, but yeah, it's, that's kind of stuck with me a little bit as a kind of ongoing joke with one of my mates now because he's not really a household name and never was, but he kind of like just scored the goal, and that's kind of where it went from, really. Did you model your game on him, Matt? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. I, again, I, I think I think I probably only saw him the once and saw him score that goal, and then that was it. And then I didn't model my game on him or you know anyone else really. So, um, so yeah. But yeah, it's a bit of an ongoing joke with my mates because they're like, "Oh, you used to like this guy." Like no one knows him. <laughs> so, but yeah, kind of like yeah, it was just him really, and the, and Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday. And Josh, were you? Were you always a striker or, or, you know, as a kid, was that always something you wanted to be or was it just a position you fell into? How did it come about? Yeah, well, I used to play for a team local to me called Sway Juniors and my dad helped out with the coaching and stuff. Um, so I was always either in the on the wing or central midfield. And then when I went to Southampton, I think it was under 12, so I was a right back. So I actually come to Bournemouth as a right back. Um, and then I lasted about 
I know about a month at right back and then they just they just saw I was pretty quick and then stuck me on the wing. Fantastic. <laughs> Josh, am I right in thinking at Sway you were playing with Sam Vokes as well? Yeah, yeah, we grew up all through school, um, all age groups and then as we got on to sort of, I obviously went to Saints and then he carried on at Sway for a bit and then he he came along to Bournemouth when I was there um, and then we just went through the ranks together and played in the same school team. Um, so yeah, I'm still close to him today, I still he's one of my best mates and um, yeah, so we've got a good, good friendship. Mm, Matt, and you started at Bournemouth as a schoolboy, is that right? Yeah, it was, yeah. So I went all through the School of Excellence. So I think I was from the age of like six to, I think I was either 15 or 16. I was training with the first team. Um, and this is when Sean O'Driscoll was manager. And then obviously the financial implications and all that was going on, he I kind of got released from there. And then um, I did what every typical 16-year-old boy done then. So I wrote off loads of letters to loads of pro clubs. Um, I got a few come back to me saying, yeah, you can have a trial. And, and no, you can't have a trial with fully loaded. So one of the clubs that come back to me were Bolton. So I went up there for a trial. We played Liverpool on, I went up there Thursday, we played Liverpool on the Saturday and I scored two on uh, my trial. So they asked me to stay up for the rest of that week um, and then to play Newcastle away. Uh, so I played Newcastle away, had done well, and then come home and then they wanted me to go up there the year after. So following that, so after the summer to go up there and start my academy process up there. So it's quite a it's quite a strange one. So I kind of got released by a Division Two club at the time, and then I signed for a team that just got into the Premiership, like in the academy. That's so it's kind of yeah, it's kind of a bit of a bit of a strange bit of a strange one. Obviously, I remember watching the the playoff final that Bolton were in, and they obviously won the game. Yeah, and then obviously they you know go into the Premiership. So I've gone from you know getting released to starting a, a journey as such up north. So in a huge journey for you, though. I mean, Bolton from Bournemouth, it must have felt like another country as a 16-year-old. It was, yeah. I mean, I was, I was really lucky in the sense that um, I've got really supportive parents anyway, but, you know, they, they wanted me to go. And and I, it kind of made a man of me, really, because we were we had curfews. We had to be in by 10 o'clock. We had on Saturday, it was 12 o'clock. There was a strict no alcohol policy. So it was kind of really, really strict and regimented. And obviously going through the ages from 16 to 19, as you guys are probably fully aware that, you know you you get tempted by different aspects of life so but for me I was taken away from that so that kind of like like I said probably made more of a man out of me than than what would have happened if I would have stayed here. So when you were playing the likes of Liverpool and Newcastle would there be any players that people who are watching this now might recognise thinking bloody hell we played against them? Um, not not really big hitters but the two for Liverpool the two centre-backs were Zach Whitbread and John Asomabore I think he ended up, one of them ended up at MK Dons. And I think Zach Whitbread might have played Liverpool first in a few times. But yeah, probably no one that really, really stands out. Mm. And what was it like at Southampton, Josh? So you you, you went there for a, a few years, but uh, things didn't quite work out, did they? Yeah, no, I was on trial for a little bit and then um, they signed me. And then I was only there, I think I was only there for a year, but... It worked. Like, like I said, I was playing right back. I wasn't really enjoying my football that that much. I was used to playing my friends week in week out, so it was a bit of a bit of a change for me. And then when I come to Bournemouth, there's a real real good feel for it. It wasn't like Southampton was obviously an academy, and then Bournemouth was a centre of excellence at the time. So uh, then I just really enjoyed enjoyed it there, settled in well, and um, then obviously Sam come along and just made real good friends there and then we we had a good team we stuck together till up until the youth team so um that is a real enjoyable part of part of my football career definitely mm, yeah so tell us about the progress into the uh, first team at Bournemouth then because uh we've seen a few players do it and uh you know they've gone on to have really you know great times at AFC Bournemouth and then you know, beyond tell us about your first call up and you know who's the person that spoke to you and you know did it take you by surprise uh, yeah, well, got not the best memory, but I did train with the first team a few times with Sean O'Driscoll because Joe, Joe was really close to him. So uh, Joe Roach and he fought quite highly of me. Um, so that happened now and again, and that that sort of fizzled out a bit. And then Kevin Bond come in, um, and then he I actually got my first pro with him. But even before then, I think because I I, I class myself as quite lucky really because Bournemouth had. 
obviously not for Bournemouth it wasn't it wasn't lucky but they had money troubles at the time and that's sort of how a lot of us got our way into the first team because we didn't have any players there was literally no players I think one game I think it might have been against Tranmere I think there might have been six uh, youth team players playing maybe five or six who actually starting um, who some of them don't even play football today so that's how um, how a lot of us got our sort of chance around that level um, but um, so that actually benefited me, benefited me um, with the first team. I think a lot of a lot of the boys there now they they're obviously in the championship. They were in the Premiership. It's going to be a lot harder to break through now, definitely. What about you, Matt? Because things in Bolton. I mean, you ended up coming back to Bournemouth, didn't you? In two thousand and three, was it? What what happened there? So was that the loan deal, or was that? Um... I think it was. You came back on loan first of all, didn't you? Yeah, so I went to obviously went to Bolton, then obviously did the academy up there and didn't get a pro contract up there. So then I come back, come back down. So then I was right. Okay, I need to get a job. I need to play lower league football um, and try and work my way back up again. So I went to Dorchester. Uh, I did a month at Dorchester. I didn't really work out at Dorchester. So then Salisbury were interested. So I ended up signing for Salisbury, and then done relatively well within the first couple of scenes at Salisbury and then um yeah then Bournemouth who ironically again were were the league above and you don't really teams from the league above don't tend to dip into lower league players to get on loan but you know they they wanted me for the month and um yeah I signed on loan for for the month in December Mm. so both both clubs I think there was a bit of financial trouble as well for Salisbury at the time wasn't there as I as I remember reading yeah, yeah that's what he was. With his wages, that's why I think it was. <laughs> hey, don't, don't hate. <laughs> yeah, so I think, yeah, like I said, I think, I think both clubs in the past have obviously got, you know, issues, had, had issues financially. Um, but, you know, fortunately, they both seem to be, you know, settled now, which is, which is good. And what was your non-league experience like at Salisbury? Because obviously, uh, you know, the... There was the, um, some mooted potential move to Leicester, wasn't there? And also, you know, you scored an FA Cup goal on on TV. What was the whole experience like at Salisbury? Yeah, it was good. And then Leicester decided to pick some guy called Vardy instead. I don't know. I don't know what he, he ended up doing. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> no. So yeah, I think the whole Leicester move coming where well, it was it was on the cards because I was doing quite well for Salisbury and, and scoring. Um, Leicester showing a bit of interest, but Salisbury then said, you know, I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. And I was just like, uh, really? Like, you know, it was an opportunity for myself to progress. But, you know, it didn't happen. And then the next day, sort of, they, they signed Vardy from um, Fleetwood. So I was like, oh, OK, so that's not happening. Mm. But um, so we, I, I, I loved my time at Salisbury. Absolutely loved it. I've, I've always sort of said I wanted to go back there, but that never happened. But, um, yeah, I loved it. And, I mean, Josh would know as well, and he'll back me up. When you're, when you're playing in a team and you're scoring regularly and you're winning regularly, you love it. E- everything everything just marries up and matches it. Your, your teammates are brilliant. Uh, you're scoring goals. Your life away from football is good. So the whole Salisbury journey for me was was amazing and something that I hold close to my heart and, you know, glad I did because it kind of catapulted me to where I wanted to be. So, I mean, I've always wondered how you actually end up hearing about these clubs that want to come in for you. Is it through the manager of your club? Is it through an agent? Is it through your family? How do you actually hear about certain clubs being interested? And when you heard that, I mean, your ears must have pricked up, surely. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it was in the it was in the papers and then the manager at the time sort of pulled me into his office and said, look, this is the situation, but we obviously don't want you to go. And I was kind of half pushing it because it would have been a great opportunity for me. But um yeah, it's just saying that never materialised and, and didn't end up happening. But, you know, like I said, it was a shame for me because I think, I think that would have been a great opportunity for me at the time. But again, it's like I said, Josh, Josh would know as well. It's, you know, football is such a, a cutthroat business. If, you know, as soon as someone turns their nose up for a minute, you know, you're off and you, you know, the club's looking for other players. So, uh, Josh, what, what do you remember about playing for Bournemouth at those times? I mean, it was pretty turbulent as. Uh, as you alluded to, you know, the, the financial troubles, managers in and out of the club. What was it like? Yeah, it was tough. I was just trying to sort of make a name in the game. So for me, 
it didn't affect me too much. I wasn't on, money wasn't important to me there. I was still a young lad. So seeing the other players sort of not get paid and stuff like this, it was all sort of new to me. So now I've obviously been around and seen other things at the club. That now you look back at it and realise, you know, yeah, how actually tough it was and how well they've actually done to to survive. So, um, but no, we had a great team spirit, even though like that these sort of things were happening, and um, we had some great characters in the team and who helped me come through that um, that sort of period and helped me sort of um, get into the first team and. Um, then I started playing a lot more, got my chance, and then, yeah, the rest is history. Who would you say were your biggest influences at the club during that time? There's some bad influences and some good influences. But, uh, <laughs> pick pick like, whichever you like. He, people like Sean Cooper, he he was good to me. Um, Warren Cummins, he, he he was always, he he's a good, he's a big character in the dressing room. And as soon as people like him sort of take to you, then you sort of feel more involved. Um, and I think that helps a lot, definitely. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe not so much off the pitch, but um, <laughs> in and around in and around the training, he definitely made me feel part of it. It seemed like uh, when you had the minus seventeen meet up at the Odeon and a few drinks, uh, you know, back at the club, looked like a decent knees up. And Warren Cummings was, uh, you know, one of those players that were there. What was it like watching that video? It's like a ninety-minute documentary, wasn't it, on that season? Did it? I mean, that must have brought back some memories for you. Yeah, it's good. I was sort of in and around it there, not massively involved, but involved enough. Um, but yeah, just seeing what what a great achievement that was, and now you look back at it, you almost. You almost can't can't believe it. Um, it got done, but yeah, they all they all went out afterwards. But Mark Mosley at the time was, was my manager, so I can um, I can go on the on the bender afterwards because we had a game Tuesday <laughs> or whatever. So I had to I had to slip off home unfortunately, so I didn't see all that part of it. And and Matt, how did it come about that you came back to the club? Because it was uh, that November two thousand and eight, wasn't it, when you came came back to Bournemouth? Yeah, so I come. Uh, again, I think it was that season, the minus seventeen season. It was, yeah. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy Quinn was manager, and um, I remember I remember playing, and uh, I was doing okay. I was sort of in and out of the team, and you know, I was really enjoying it because it was a chance to you know play up a level and you know play for my hometown club as such. Um, and so I, I signed for a month. So my deal was technically up at midnight on New Year's yeah, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve to New Year's Day. So it was on the midnight. So. Um, and on the 31st, after we had training with Jimmy Quinn and Tyndall, and then obviously we trained. And then straight after training, I ended up going to Castle Point just to get a couple of little bits. And then I actually bumped into Jimmy Quinn. And we, we spoke throughout the week prior to this um, about sort of extending, going sort of permanent with the contract. So I was like, yeah, I'm over the moon at that. That'd be amazing for me. Mm. Uh, so I spoke to Jimmy at Castle Point randomly, just bumped into him in the car park. And he said, yeah, OK, but we, we want you to sign the deals. The deal was pretty much done. Um, just come to the game tomorrow as normal or training or whatever it was as normal. Um, and we'll get you signed on. Perfect. Then obviously go to bed New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve, wake up to a text from my friend saying, oh, Jimmy Quinn's been sacked. And obviously come the 1st of January then, I'm back to being a Salisbury player. So, so I'm like, this to my phone thinking... All right, who, who, am I actually, who am I actually playing for today? <laughs> and Salisbury had a game against Oxford away. So then I get a phone call off Nick Holmes, the Salisbury manager, saying, all right, Tubbsy, it's Nick. Uh, right, report to Oxford at 1.30. So I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I'm going to be playing for Bournemouth today. Like, what's, like how, how has it gone? <laughs> so, but yeah, it didn't happen. And that's when obviously Eddie and then Eddie got Jason in as well as a number two. And again, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. So I was just like, okay, so... So I'm back to being a Salisbury player. So I was a little bit disheartened. I wasn't disheartened the fact that I I left Bournemouth. I was more disheartened the fact that I wasn't in the know that I was leaving Bournemouth. Mm. I kind of got told that I was going to sign, and then it, I just didn't hear from anyone. So it was really, it was really, and then obviously, you know, playing at the Castam for um, for Salisbury. So it's kind of a kind of really really strange chain of events how that all come about. Whoa, that is that's an incredible story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's very, uh, it's, it's very bizarre. But, um, but like, like I said, that's football. That's just how it goes. Managers come in, players move on, and that is that's something that won't ever change either. That is, you just got to be thick-skinned with it. 
take it on the chin and then bounce back. And and you and Josh, you actually played in the fixture that got us to zero points that season, as I remember. It was I think it was a, a three-three draw against Luton in December. Took us oh, from yeah. minus seventeen to zero. Was it because we played we played a couple? Was it snowing that day, or was that a different? Or was that a different game? I remember it being freezing, absolutely yeah. freezing. Yeah, I do remember that. That was. Was that when was Jimmy Quinn the manager at the time? Jimmy Quinn was the manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I wonder when you got to zero points. Was there like massive celebrations in the changing room? <laughs> I doubt it. To be honest, it is a bit a bit disheartening still, isn't it? Been on zero points. But, <laughs> yeah, that's it's not a nice feeling, definitely. Jimmy, what do you remember of Jimmy Quinn as a manager? Because you had him for slightly longer than Matt did as a manager. Yeah. Yeah, well, he he took a shine to me. To be fair, so I quite liked him. <laughs> uh, so I think one game it was. I think it might have been the Luton game. To be honest, he he started me centre mid, and I think we had Darren Anderson on the bench, um, which which was a surprise to a few of the lads. Um, but no, I he, he was a good guy. I, I got on with him well. It obviously didn't work out great for him then, but um, like I said, I was I was a young lad getting in the team, so I was just I was just happy to be playing. Was it a true story that he brought his dog to training like every so often? Christmas Day. I remember Christmas Day on, on then. He was running, dogs running around on the pitch chasing balls. I remember that. That's, that. Well, that must be slightly off-putting as a professional, surely. What, training Christmas Day? Absolutely. Well, <laughs> not that, but the dog trying to avoid the dog. <laughs> I love the connection you both got with England internationals. You and Jamie Vardy, Matt, and you benching Darren Anderton, Josh. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> uh, but he was um, going on to Darren, and he was amazing when he was there. To be fair, he was um, he was a big influence in, as we said before, he was the influence. Just seeing him train and the standard he brought um, brought to training and games, it, yeah, that was that was a good experience for myself, definitely. So it sounded like Jimmy was pretty surprised to be given the boot if he was shopping in Castle Point the day before, Matt. <laughs> he, probably, he probably got the boot because he said he wanted to sign me. So the chairman was like, oh, "No, you're gone. We don't, we don't want both of you here, at least." <laughs> so you both got to go. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, like I said, that's that's football. It happens. Managers get sacked. Players move on. Just something that won't ever change from the game, unfortunately. So, mm. so you ended up uh, joining Crawley Town for fifty-five thousand, and you won from a promotion from the non-league with them the following year. But, I mean, that is the club where you score goals almost for fun, it seems. Uh, they must have a fun place in your heart, surely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they did a... Um, uh, throughout the summer, they, they were showing uh, clips of that game because we ended up getting, like, the record points in the season as well. And um, so I was watching the game back and it was... I don't know how I've done it, to be honest. I couldn't trap a bag of sand. The ball was bouncing off me and everything. And I'm thinking, how have I scored 40-odd goals in a season now? But uh, I, I was just lucky. I had a good. We had such a good group that year. Um, and again, Josh would say, when you got, when you have a good group of players and you're all best mates, you all want to fight for each other. And games that you'd probably lose three two, you'd get a draw. Games that you're drawing two two, you'd go get a last minute winner because the group camaraderie goes such a long way in football. And that's what we had in Salisbury, and that's what uh, sorry, we had that Salisbury as well. But that's what we had at Crawley. Um, and that's why that's why we went back to back. So we won won the conference, and then the year after, they they got promoted straight back to um, they got straight to League One after that as well. So there's a there's a great clip of on YouTube, Matt, of you scoring a Penenka penalty. Is that something you did as a, a routine thing for Crawley? Uh, I wouldn't say it was routine. I'd pick my moments. So I had it's very ballsy to do it, but I'd mm. I'd find that if you did it in the last minute of a game and you were drawing, goalkeeper's never going to think that you're just going to, you're going to penenka it. So goalkeepers <laughs> are always going to dive. And I remember it was Peterborough and Alex Ferguson's son was manager at the time. And it was a 90, it was a 94th minute and we had a penalty. And I had a penalty the game before that and I went to the keeper's right. So, and our keeper at the time said they watch clips. So I'm thinking to myself, right, their keeper probably knows where or thinks he knows where I'm going to go. It's the 94th minute. There's no way that he's going to think I'm going to dink it. So anyway, I ran up and dinked it and then 
Ferguson's face afterwards. He wanted to rip my throat out. <laughs> I could just see him so angry in the manner that it, it, it sort of happened. Like I said, Peterborough were a massive club at the time in that in that division. So for you know for Crawley and, and me to to dink a penalty is a bit like rubbing salt in the wounds, really. So uh, is it fair to say that you were quite surprised when you saw Adamola Lookman's penalty for Fulham against West Ham in the in the latter stages where they're one nil down? You know, could have scrapped a draw, and then he did that. Yeah, the thing is, like we we were flying high at the time, so you know, but Fulham was struggling. Like, just yeah. put your foot for it, just hit the back of the net. Like, what's Scott Parker must have been thinking? What the hell is this about? Like I said, if you're going to do it, you've got to hit the target at least. Are you the penalty yeah. taker for Weymouth, Josh? Yeah, last season I was. I think I scored six penalties. Missed. Well, I missed two, but I got a tap in off one of them, so I classed it as missed one. Um, this season, I was a lad that's actually taken two penalties. I didn't play one game, I was, I was off ill, and then so I let him have the next one. But he's now gone to Chesterfield, so I'm back on him. Yeah, yeah I love it. I get a goal these days, so I've got, I've got to jump on him. Josh, have you ever played in a match before? And it's gone to penalties and the opposition have skied three over the bar because that's what happened, obviously, against Dartford. I, when I saw that, I couldn't believe it. Have you ever been involved in a penalty shootout quite like that before? No, I haven't been involved in too many penalty shootouts. But like, I was actually, I come off, because I had a hamstring problem in the game before, but I actually then started that game, but come off mm. about 60 minutes, I think. Yeah. Uh, 60 or 70 minutes. So I was just watching. So it's it's horrible watching, but... See the first one go over the bye, thinking, right, this is our chance. Then the next one, and the next one, either <laughs> you think they they like they've just fluffed their lines massively. But obviously, we were buzzing, and uh, yeah, to watch that it was just unbelievable. I, don't, I, don't, I think also there they had some penalty takers one year uh, that year. So I think their main penalty taker scored about I think eleven out of eleven. Then he skied it over the bar. So pressure obviously done things to him. It's it's. It's bizarre because when you see two players that precede you both skying over the bar, you're surely thinking, right, I've got to get my body over the ball, got to just drill it hard and low. And to see it happen the third time, I mean, credit to Weymouth, they completely did deserve it anyway. And it's, it was just a shame that time that the fans weren't there to celebrate with you because that would have been such a great atmosphere at the Bob Lucas, wouldn't it? Yeah, I know. That's the, that's the only disappointing thing that obviously there was no fans and that was Mark's last game for us as well. So it would have been nice for him sort of to have a nice send off um because he's obviously done a lot for a lot for Weymouth mm. um, but yeah we're just pleased pleased we got up but no it would have been better with fans definitely so Matt you left to go back to Bournemouth in January 2012 it was a fee of 800,000 pounds when Lee Bradbury signed you and uh, at that point in time you were joint top scorer at the time Steve Evans is quoted as saying that he shed a tear when you left he he sounds like quite a sound guy actually because you know, he gracefully let Fletch come back to Bournemouth when Eddie gave him the call. Tell us, you tell us a little bit more about that move and how that happened. Yeah, so we were, um, so we we were playing in the fourth round of the FA Cup at um, Hull, um, and again for for a team like Crawley, that, that was it was a massive getting into the fourth round. And the year before, we got into the fifth round. Obviously, the Old Trafford um, experience, we got into the fourth round and. I kind of already done. Well, I say kind of. I already done my deal with Bournemouth. So knowing that this was going to be my last game, yeah. so we were sat in a hotel up in Hull, and sort of I sat down, had a had a bit of food with um, Steve Evans, and he was sort of saying like, "I want, I want you to stay," and I was like, "I want to go." Like it's my my hometown club's coming coming for me. Um, you know, there was a it was a three and a half year deal on the on the table. And I was like, "That's just something that I can't really say no to," and. He was trying to pull up all the stops to try and make me stay, but um, I was like, "Look, I've, I've made my mind up. I'm, I'm done now. I'm, I'm, I want to go." So, so in my head, I'm thinking, "Right, I've got 90 minutes of football to play now." As a little send off to say, you know, thanks for everything, and try and obviously we didn't think we were going to win going up to Hull, but anyway, we went up there. Um, we are scored. We won one nil. So then, coming home, it's like all the emotions are going through your head. Like you've got such a good group. Everyone's drinking on the coach on the way home. Everyone's having a bit of a party. The next day, um, they were booked to go to Portugal for a few days. So I'm thinking now, is it worth it? Is the grass going to be greener on the other side? I'm thinking, shall I, shan't I? But then I kind of sobered up in the morning. I was like, no, I'm going, I'm going, I've got to go. So then Steve Evans was like, 
okay, right, what, what we'll do now is we'll, we'll, we'll all jump on the coach now, we'll go straight to Gatwick, and then you think about it over in Portugal. And I was like, absolutely not, because as soon as that happens, they'll look elsewhere. I was like, Steve, I, I was like, I need, to, I need to go and get this deal done now. And he was just like, no, no, come on, come on, we'll go, we'll go, we'll have a drink over there, we'll try and get this, you know, we'll, we'll get it sorted when you get back. And I'm thinking to myself, I know exactly what you're doing. You want me to go to Portugal, so they look for someone else, and the deal's off. So I'm thinking, absolutely no chance. So then I jumped on the train, went obviously straight back to Bournemouth, and then I think I signed for Bournemouth the next the day after, I think. So, but yeah, Steve Evans, he's a he's a if you get him on a one on one or having a coffee with him or a nice chat with him, he's the nicest guy, nicest guy in the world. Stick him in a change room at half time, Jesus Christ, is it's like the devil with a headache. It's it's <laughs> absolute carnage. What about, what about signing for that fee, Matt? Because that was quite a lot of money for the club at the time, and, and a, a lot of pressure on, on you. I'd have thought. I mean, did it did it affect you? Did you feel under pressure when you signed for that fee? Uh, I thought, yeah, I suppose I did. Yeah, but the the, the thing is, with, with with transfer fees and what you know, a lot of people kind of don't really think about is it's not the players' issue. The player don't, doesn't say, oh, I want to go for X amount. This is all agents and, and clubs talking about it. So players have nothing to do with the fee whatsoever. So that is strictly between, obviously, the two clubs and the agents involved. So the players don't have anything to do with that. Went to Bournemouth again. Jimmy Quinn got sacked. Eddie Howe takes over. I leave again. So now, obviously, they're putting this transfer fee on me. I'm coming back again for a third time. All my friends obviously at the age where they're you know Bournemouth are kind of on the up and you know everyone's sort of supporting them so yeah I suppose there was a little bit of pressure going into it um thinking obviously the transfer fee been there a couple of times all my mates are now on board and want to watch it um so yeah I suppose there was a little bit of pressure in that sense but try try not to let that try not to let that phase me at all just try and just you know the, the deal was done uh, over enough years, I just need to concentrate on working hard and staying fit, and you know, be carrying on where I left off from Crawley. Mm. So, just before that, Josh, I mean, you were part of the squad that won promotion under Eddie Howe from League Two. What do you remember on that experience? Because, yeah, your first goal was in a four-nil win against Port Vale in that promotion-winning season. Must have been nice to get your, you know, your first goal for the first team, eh? Yeah. Um... That's a funny story, actually, the first goal, because it has it <laughs> afterwards we were laughing because Jason Eddie come up to me and said, Did you touch that? I said, Yeah, I touched it onto someone else. It was actually the, the defender that headed it in. So I flicked it onto him, it's come off him and I've peeled away. So um yeah, I don't actually don't class that as my first goal really, but no, it was good. Um that season that season was obviously a good season. Um, didn't play loads, but just to be in and around, it was good. Yeah, and you were basically Brett Pittman's replacement. I mean, did you feel pressure at that? Mm, no, not really. I think a lot of people sort of were making comparisons at the time, and I think Eddie come out and just said, "Listen, don't compare them. I'm still, I'm still young." Brett, he obviously had an amazing career, and he. He kicked on much earlier than I did, and he was obviously a natural goal scorer. I wasn't sort of based; I didn't base my game really around that. Um, I, and then I got my chance up front. I think it was Tranmere away. I, I think it was um, scored there, and then sort of got a little run in the team and, and started scoring some goals. But I still didn't even wouldn't even class, wouldn't class myself at that time as a natural goal scorer. I just sort of tried to work. I was tried to work hard and. Do as well as I could for the team, and Eddie, Eddie at the time was really good for me because he was. I think as as everyone's seen, he he likes working with young players and likes progressing them. So um, that was that was a massive step in my career. That that little phase was definitely. How do you think he really helped you, Josh? He's just got time. He's just got time for you. He's he's. I think you can see his passion. His passion for football, for helping helping people. Um, he used to st stay behind with you after training. Um, even even when I was coming through, when I was younger, when he was a coach, he'd stay he'd stay behind, he'd stay behind with whoever whoever wanted to stay stay out and um, just work on different things with you. Um, so that 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 really helped me because I've never really I I wouldn't take it upon myself necessarily to stay out and do do extras 
for whatever reason, not because I wasn't didn't want to work hard. I just it, I just didn't do it. Um, and then for him to do that, um, that, that was that was really helpful, definitely. Well, you scored those, yeah, as I say, those two hack tricks in consecutive games. Yeah, you're right, Tranmere and the Walsall in the league. And then, yeah, the move to Millwall came about and, yeah, you left and you went to Millwall. And, I mean, I I remember watching your first goal for Millwall uh, and it was against Preston in a 4 nil. that was live on Sky. And I remember just seeing you, like, this was like, such a typical Josh McCoy goal at the time because you know the goals that you scored you know towards the end of your time with us were fantastic and you picked up the ball from almost the halfway line and you jinked around a couple of players and rifled it in the top left hand corner from about 25 yards bloody hell it was a cracking goal um but how else did it go at Millwall because after that your chances seemed to be limited and by all accounts it wasn't the best of times for you yeah, it was a bit. It was looking back on it now. Obviously, everyone has regrets and stuff. But um, I should. I I wish I never left Bournemouth at the time. It was. It was an opportunity for me to go, and I and I I took it. Um, and I obviously seen playing in the championship and and stuff like that. I went there, done really well. I think it was the first four or five games. Got man in the match my first game. I think it was against Crystal Palace or something like that. And then. After that, I had, had an ankle injury, was out for a good couple of months. And then for, ever since then, coming back into the team, I didn't really, I couldn't really nail down a place. And then for me, it was the first time I was ever away from home. Um, I was 20, 21. So just little things like this, it didn't really, it didn't really go too well for me. Um, and then Eddie obviously took me to Burnley on loan. Um, so met up with him again and had had a good little spell there. Didn't didn't necessarily play my best football but um in, enjoyed enjoyed my time under him again and then obviously got the chance to come back to Bournemouth um eventually and then linked up with Eddie again. So I think <laughs> kept kept going back but that <laughs> was it was good. I think injuries are such a I mean a part of the game, a bit like managers, Matt, but they they can be such a such a really damaging part to your career, particularly if you're a striker. And and you had your fair share of injuries too, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, like you said, if you get injured at the if you get injured at the wrong time, then inevitably someone's going to take your spot, and it's how they how well they do. Um, but yeah, for me, I got uh, obviously signed for Bournemouth. Then within within two or three months of signing, um, I then had to go under the knife and have a double hernia operation. So. And that kind of put me out to the season. And then, um, obviously, Brad has got sacked in the meantime. And then Paul Groves and Brooks took over. And I kind of like, had a had a feeling I wasn't really in their plans. Um, uh, not due to the injury, just in general. Like I said, new managers coming in. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I had the injury that technically, well, yeah, it was a bad time to have the injury for me. Mm. You actually scored some pretty important goals, though, under under Groves and Brooks. I mean, they didn't win a huge number of points, but you 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 scored a, a few goals that that actually earned us some points. Yeah, I mean, that's all you try and do. You you just try and because I'm a firm believer is you never know who's watching. Uh, and again, if I'm thinking to myself, right, these two guys aren't really having me. I'm not really going to feature. I need to try and impress potentially someone else who could be watching. So and obviously do 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 myself proud and do the club proud whilst I'm playing for them. So, um, but yeah, funny, a uh, funny story about Brooks and Gross. We, um, we had pre-season, but so I had the hernia operation then I was in all summer. Then I had, um, so we had pre-season and I actually done really well pre-season. I think I ended up scoring sort of seven or eight, maybe even nine goals in pre-season. So, and I was in the, I was in the shape on the Friday, ready for the first game of the season. And then, so I'm thinking, right, perfect. So I'm going, I'm starting. First game of the season, amazing. All right, going to kick start now. Um, Herney is done. I feel strong. I feel fit. I had a really good preseason. I'm going to kind of hit the ground running. So then Lee Barnard signs the on the Friday. So I'm thinking, right, okay, so he signed a striker. Okay, so I'm still in the shape. That's not an issue. So, you know, I'll, I'll be starting. Get to the game. Um, Groves pulls me in his office. Yeah, we're, um, we're just going to rest you today. Uh, rest me his first game of the season <laughs> what are you resting me for i've had a great pre-season oh yeah we, we you know we're gonna we're gonna play barney and we're just gonna rest you other come on you're resting me it's the first game of the season i feel fit as a fiddle been in, in all summer because i just recovering from an operation and now you're resting me he's like yeah 
Uh, okay, cheers. So yeah, and then yeah, the rest is history, as they say, with uh, with what happened to him. Mm, yeah, it is. And there was a the fans got a bit tense, and I think we showed our emotions quite a bit. And Eddie Mitchell had his moments outside the stadium with fans, and it's all on YouTube where you can watch it. And one fan says, "Why don't you get Eddie Howe back?" And at the time, it was just almost a pie-in-the-sky suggestion from a fan. We didn't actually think it would happen, but then it did. Uh, you know, So as a player, how did you feel when you heard his name mentioned and the fact that he was coming back after all? I was thinking, oh, he got the job last time and he got rid of me. So I'm thinking oh, this could be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no I, I actually, you know, I, I wanted him to come back because I knew that he had catapulted the club into a direction that it, the club, it wasn't sinking, but it was... What, what were we four from bottom or in the relegation zone at the time so the club needed it needed a lift and there was only one man that, that could do that and that obviously was Eddie and then you know like like we've just said from then it's literally just it the club's just gone from strength to strength um you know just you know getting promotion uh in that season would have been taken over um yeah that's that catapulted his career as well as you know a few others that have played underneath him as well yeah, I seem to remember that uh, we were twentieth in the table, and we had a we had a home match against Leighton Orient, and Jason and Eddie were unveiled on the pitch, so they weren't actually in charge. But we won two 0 But when they did take charge, we went on an, a ridiculous run. Um, you know, at what point do you think actually, yeah, we could actually get promoted? I, th- I think the belief was there throughout because I think they they come in and they were really sort of authoritative of what they they wanted and it was going to be their way or it was going to be no way and I think if you have a manager like that who who wants to push you know his hometown club his where he's already got legendary status if he wants to push that club into whatever direction it's going to go it's going to go that way mm-hmm. especially with the backing that they had um like I said from Max and you know a few others it was always it was always going to go up um he had a philosophy uh which suited the players that he was bringing in um, and like I said, we ended up, you know, getting a promotion out of the back of it, which was amazing. Did you feel that too, Josh? Yeah, he um, he definitely brought a different vibe. Like around the dressing room, we just, I think we went, as you said before, we went on a good run as soon as he came in, and he just, yeah, he just he just lifted the place, and that's definitely what we needed at the time. Brought in good players, um, and then I think was that. Was that the season, Tubbsy, that we just finished second? We were first. Was it? What was the last game of the season? Uh, Tramia. Yeah, Tramia. Yeah, because I remember we was oh. we were stood in the change rooms with uh, blow up, um, blow up trophies, <laughs> oh, yeah. champions banners, um, and everything. So that that was the only disappointment that season. But he even just said, "Then listen, you've earned promotion. Don't worry. Like you've earned it. Just enjoy yourself." So. Um, no, he definitely, he definitely changed it, changed it around then, and, and then he just took the club to another level, and then almost for me, no, I stayed. I think I stayed another year or two. I obviously went out on loan, but you could just then the, the club, the sort of the level just passed me by. Um, he just kicked on the players. He got on, kicked on the football, kicked on, and just he's he's done amazing ever since. And I think um, yeah, he'll be a legend at Bournemouth forever. I remember we drew that match at Tranmere nil-nil. We needed to win it, so we were relying on Doncaster Rovers to drop points. And wasn't it the fact that they, you know, the team that Doncaster were playing had a penalty in the last minute? And I heard this on the radio, and I yeah. tweeted, I tweeted champions because yeah, I just thought, yeah. I mean, they're going to score it. And then they went down the other end and scored it. And then I got like loads of notifications saying you might want to recheck that. It's like yeah. what? Couldn't I couldn't honestly believe that the ultimate deflation, eh, Jeff? It yeah, it was. I mean, I was at the um, the Carlisle game. I think the week before, when we got promotion, and it was just such a such a fantastic feeling. I don't think anybody at the start of that season really, honestly, thought we were going to go up. Um, what 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 a journey to go from the bottom of the league, well, near the bottom of the league, to the top in in the space of what thirty odd games. It was just a fantastic performance, and and uh, and yeah, I mean, it must be difficult when you have that sort of season to then think. I could stick around and play in the championship or, or, or how, how does the manager let you go? Cause that, or, or how do you decide to move on? It must've been quite a difficult time, wasn't it? For you, for you both. Yeah. For me, it was, it was sort of, I loved the club. I'd loved playing under Eddie, but it was, it was an awkward one for him as well, because I think we got on really well. I was at Burnley with him as well. So 
it was one of them. I was never really, I had an injury as well in pre-season. So then I come back from that and I was never really going to get back on the team. I think I played one game in the Championship for Bournemouth and then I was just going on loan um, and stuff like that. And loans, loan spells are good if you need to play, but it's, you're not really settled. So I spent that, that next two years almost just, I don't know, just sort of in and out of football, not not doing that well. And then coming back to Bournemouth, just been in the background a little bit. So that's never good. You just need, I think when you're at a club, you need to be settled, you need to be playing. And um, that never really happened for me. But um, And then when I eventually left, um, I went to Luton in the end, yeah. But to see them kick on and do what they did was amazing. Whilst we're talking loans, though, Josh, I mean, someone on the chat tonight is bound to correct me, but I think I'm right in saying that you're the only person that we've chatted to on this uh, podcast. We've chatted to all the greats, Harry Redknapp, Matt Holland. We've, we've had loads of them. You're the only person that we've interviewed that scored at Wembley Stadium. Uh, that, of course, happened when you were on loan at Peterborough. For a lad that dreamt of becoming a professional, surely that is the ultimate. What the hell did that feel like? It must have been amazing. Yeah, that was, that was that was amazing. That was obviously a big highlight in that loan spell. So we, I think one of my first games actually was the semi-final in the Johnson's Pain mm. um, because that gets played that gets played in like November or before Christmas, and then the finals not um, not so a while later. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I think one of my first games was the semis against Swindon or something like that. But we ended up getting Chesterfield in the final. And I think, I think I, I can't actually remember when the goal was scored was, but I think it was early on in the game. And it's sort of like, you're just such a rush. And obviously my family were there and stuff. And then, yeah, it's just, it's just great emotions. And then just to see my dad in the crowd, I think he was, he was tearing up and stuff. So that's like, like, like you said, that's always what you dream of, that sort of thing. Um, so no, that was definitely one of the highlights in my career, definitely. Um, what what would be your highlight, Matt, and and the one thing that Josh McCoy would never have done? Um, <laughs> tough tough question. <laughs> uh, I'd say a highlight for me was um, obviously playing for your hometown club, the team you supported as a boy. Uh, that's 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 I think that's a given. But uh, whilst I was at Salisbury, um, I represented uh, my country at England sea level, so. We played Northern Ireland and Finland, so representing the country. Although it was England C, it was still, you know, the same build-up, national anthems. Um, you know, you're playing, you know, Finland, you're playing Ireland. Like it was a, I think that was amazing for me at the time. Was Josh McCoy playing for Ireland at the time? Because he, he had a few international caps, didn't he? Yeah, he's well older than me. I'm, I'm a bit younger than him, so yeah. <laughs> Josh, Josh was full international. Though. I was, I was with the dog and duck in the non-league stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that um, would seem to be prevalent, Matt, was that you missed out on the match day squad just once during Cherry's promotion from League One, but you only started nine matches in all competitions. I mean, that must have been pretty frustrating, which you've alluded to somewhat. I mean, one of the labels that Bournemouth fans have sometimes have, if you're going to put a negative on Eddie Howe, obviously he's got so many positives, you know, for what he's done. Some say he's a little bit stubborn. Um Whilst it's maybe difficult to justify that in a promotion season when you look back, did you feel as though there was pretty much nothing you could have done to have changed his mind sort of team-wise that season? Um, I don't think so, because I think Eddie, Eddie had a system and he wasn't going away from that system. It was 4-4-1-1. That's, that's how he wanted to play. Um, that, that, that's not necessarily my strongest system. Um, like I, I'd admit that I, to play that lone striker, you've got to be... You know, you just got not got to be me. So, uh, <laughs> so he obviously, I think uh, he had grabs up top as a as a nine as such with Bretty in behind, and them two just worked so well together. Um, and obviously, like I said, that they, they scored you know tons of goals, which obviously got you got them promotion. So, for me as as a fan, I'm looking at it thinking, oh, amazing, like Bournemouth on the up. But from a player's head, I was thinking, yeah, I want to play, but I understand that these two guys, these three three or four that are in and in and out of the team, they're doing really well. And if that was me doing really well in a team, why would I want to come out for someone on the bench to, to come in and take my place? So I kind of, I think that come from me being a little bit more of a, a mature head than a 16, 17, 18 year old who's then thinking, right, I want to play. Why, why am I not playing? So for me, I have a little bit more of a mature head on perspective of it. 
I think I kind of under, understood a little bit better. I think from from a fan's perspective, we we always um, felt a deeper affinity with the local players. So you, Matt, and you, Josh, were both really, really liked by the fans, loved almost. And I don't think we felt you were given a fair crack of it, Matt. But what's what's it like being a local player when you've got all these kind of mercenary players brought into the side? Do they care as much as you, or does that does that not matter? What like Frank Demuge? <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I suppose to a, to a degree because their their heart's not you know not in it. It's just a foot. It's just a football club to them. It's just a job to them. You know, they're getting paid relatively good money just to you know just to fill a fill a team sheet just to just to come training. So for me, as a like I said, as a um, as a kid growing up, being involved with Bournemouth and you know a, a fan of Bournemouth. You know, see them come in and it's a little bit like, yeah, it was a little bit, you know, frustrating to the point where, you know, do you, do you really care? Don't you care? But, um, yeah, I think Josh will back me up by saying that as well. Throughout his career, he's probably seen, you know, seen a lot of that as well. So, you know, as footballers, you spent significant amounts of time on loan uh, to other clubs. What's the protocol? I mean, like, whereabouts do you live for starters? Uh, who pays the wages? Because these are the sort of questions that I've never really known the answer to. Josh, you might be able to tell us a bit more. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've been on a few loans, but usually it's just clubs get in contact with each other and say, is this player available? And then the manager will say yes or no, ask the player. Um, and then it's it's up to you. You can, you can obviously refuse it. or But for me, at the time when I was going on loan, I needed to go play games. So then usually you just go and stay in a hotel. Um, right. Yeah, so I was, I've been in hotels for three, four months at a time, which is another thing which is tough. People don't realise you're away from your family. Mm. You're just in a hotel room. Um, not much to do. Um, you can't go wandering the town all day, can you? So you just yeah, you sat you sat in a room for a lot of the time. So, um, but it's, as say a young player, or if you need games, I think you, it's 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 a good thing to do. But um, yeah, it's, it is tough. It's, it varies sometimes, but usually the the club you're going to they they pay either all of it or a part of it, so it works out. Yeah, I say. I mean, I can imagine in this climate what we're in now. I mean, being a lone player must be even worse. Not being able to leave your hotel or whatever. You 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 literally just have to stay in your room, and then you're training, and then you're coming back. It's not like you can go back and see friends and family you just got to stay in the same place all the time yeah you know that must be really difficult right now mm. yeah, yeah especially with especially with hotels potentially you know mm. lockdown as well like where where are they going to live what are they you know how are they going to what are they going to do are they going to have to travel travel everywhere sometimes so. sometimes some clubs have like a flat or a house where a few of the lone boys will will be in um i think when i was at torquay <laughs> i went on loan there for a little bit and there was a house there there about Seven, seven or eight rooms and it was just it was absolute free for all i refused i refused to go and actually so they had to put me in a hotel but hotel was even worse it was like 40 towers <laughs> fantastic so how do you both look back on your, your time with the cherries matt what 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 do you uh what do you feel about it all I, I loved it. Like I said, it was, it was an opportunity for me to. Uh, which time are we talk about? First, second, or third? Any, all, all of it, the entire time, really. <laughs> no, it was all amazing. Like, yeah, all growing up, you know, I, you know, I still, still speak to a couple of people even growing up from the age of like six in the academy, growing up to sort of, um, you know, sixteen, Wayne Crutcher, uh, Dimitri Brinius, those guys. Obviously, Steve Moore, who is no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I loved it. I. I love my time. To, to say that I played for my team that I supported as a boy, uh, made some great long, uh, great friends along the way, uh, got promotion from League One to the Championship. Um, you know, I, yeah, it's 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 been a, it's been a club close to my heart. But on the flip side of that, I've kind of got let go three times as well. So it's kind of like a bittersweet. But um, yeah, no, like I said, I you know I still support Bournemouth now. Uh, you know, I wish them. Wish them obviously all the best. Hope they can, you know, bounce back at the first attempt. This is leading on to a question about uh, what do you think of our uh, our tactics recently with playing Solanke alone up front? I mean, doesn't it need a, a finisher alongside him like one of you two? Yeah, Matt more than me. He's the goal goal machine. 
<laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I think I think Sturridge will come good. I think he needs he needs more more minutes. I think the more minutes you get into him, I think the better he'll become. And I think if they can find a way of getting into the team, he obviously scored the other night. I think if he can find a way to play more regularly, I think he'll be a, a big factor for for the club to get to get back. Obviously, Slanky, Slanky, everyone, you know, he's he's good at what he does. Um, but like I said, he potentially needs someone up there with him. And I think um, I think Sturridge could be, you know, one to watch the back end of the season, hopefully. You played a lot with Big Fletch, Josh. So is that your preferred combination, big big man, little man? Well, we was actually talking about this the other the other day to a few of my Weymouth um, teammates, and I was just saying um, that was one of the big things when I was doing well playing with Big Fletch, just getting on his flick ons or whatever. It actually style of play that not necessarily everyone likes playing, but I think that big man, little man, sort of the the old school um, style of playing. Tubbsy probably knows knows similar because he's he's the little man as well, and uh, <laughs> just. <laughs> It works. It works well. It works really well sometimes because it just pe- teams can't deal with it, especially when Fletcher's up there. How are you going to deal with him? Just that big unit pinning you and flicking balls on. Um, and obviously, he had a, he, he had a great career doing it, doing that sort of thing. And I think many players probably um, got got loads of goals off of um, his assists. Definitely. Mm. Well, just before we go, I mean, Bournemouth. Um, they've obviously had a lot of close links with Weymouth. Uh, with loan players and managers, of course, JT, Mark Mosley and Brian Stock, to name but a few. How do you think the club's adapted to the loss of Mark? And what's your analysis on how Brian's done so far? Um, yeah, losing Mark was massive because uh, even before he brought me in, um, when he was there, I think he's done a lot. Um, the progression since he was there has, has been amazing um so it's obviously going to be a big loss but for him i think it was one of them opportunities that he almost couldn't turn down to managing managing the league it's, it was a gamble but you just never know how it goes but it's one of them things he he can turn down but since brian brian's come in he's he's done a fantastic job he's took to it really well the lads have all bought into his style of play and his work ethic so um, we knew it was going to be a tough job, even if Mark was still here. So um, we've just got to knuckle down and try and get a few more points on the board. It's going to be a tough old season, um, especially with all COVID and, and everything like that. But we've just got to slog it out and um, hopefully we can stay up and do well. Yeah, I mean, when you look at some of the names in that division, I mean, there are some historical names there that have been you know, big clubs for a long time. It's actually crazy when you look at it, the calibre of some of the teams. And as I alluded to, JT was one of the people that um, have been at Weymouth before. Before we go, uh, we presume you have probably got Jason Tindall's number on your phones, maybe both of you. Uh, did you offer him any words of advice or encouragement when he got the job? Matt, I'll start with you. Uh, I, I just sent him a little courtesy text just to say good luck. I hope it, I hope it all goes all right. Um, yeah, that was about it. And, he, and he replied straight away saying thanks, Tubbsy. Really appreciate, really appreciate it. So, yeah, I just thought I just yeah, fly him a, fly him a little text, wish him all luck because it's, it's tough. It's tough. He's 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 essentially following a legend of the club. So yeah. it's it's it will be tougher whoever to go in there. So, but like I said, he's you know he's he's doing okay at the moment. He just like I said need to you know potentially put another goal scorer up with um, Solanke. Um, but who am I to talk about championship management anyway? So, uh, yeah, if, you know, if, if he like I said, if he can get the club back to back promotions, then absolutely amazing. But um, like I said, it was always whoever was going to take the job. It was always going to be a tough, tough yeah. job um, to go. But it looks like the lads are enjoying it. Like I've sort of followed the, the board thing on Instagram and Twitter and training. They all look like they're laughing and enjoying it and, and getting on really well as a group. So, like I said, said earlier, that, that goes a long way in football. If you can get a good team, then good camaraderie you, you know you, you, you're looking at promotion hope so hope so uh, Josh have you spoke to him I haven't actually spoke to him no but um, JT when when I was there he was also, he was also a top man um, so I can see the lads wanting to work for him um, it's it's a funny one because when you are an assistant you're maybe a li- little bit closer to the lads so it would have been interesting to see the um the transfer of that, but they all, like Matt said, they all seem to be enjoying it. They're, they're doing well, so yeah, he's taken to it well. But it's always always going to be big shoes to fill. Um, but no, he's he's doing he's doing well so far. 
Thanks, guys. That's been really hugely entertaining, and and uh, thanks so much. I think being a being a forward is probably the most difficult part of a, any team because you always got to score, and um, and when the new manager comes in and you don't fit, you're out. So it's not your fault, and defenders don't get that, do they? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we're 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 strikers are in the firing line. We, at the end of the day, you get judged on goals regardless of what you know what sort of stab, what sort of striker you are so yeah it's just a case of just hitting the back of the net when you can i yeah. think in the intro as well you said um matt was did you say matt was five nine and i was five nine but yeah yeah no i'm definitely taller than matt i'm five <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll have to get you back to back and put a table mat on your head and see which way the angle goes who knows uh matt it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on thank you so much Thank you for having me. It's been really good. It's been really good. No worries. And Josh, a pleasure. Thank you so much. Cheers, guys. Appreciate that. All the best. Cheers. Thank you very much. And Jeff, brilliant to have you on too, of course. Lovely to relive some old times. Doesn't feel like history, does it? That It's 10 years ago, some of that. Oh, really good to chat to those two. Matt Tubbs and also Josh McCoy, who's still playing his trade, as we said, for Weymouth. Fantastic to chat to them. And of course, as ever, if you want to watch that chat, you can do so on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Well, it's not a very good time during lockdown, is it? Remember hands, face, space and all that stuff. The vaccines are being rolled out and hopefully we can get back to some kind of normality at some point. Not too sure when it is, but of course, if you're living in Bournemouth Pool and beyond, of course, it's tier four, tier four all over, in fact. So we can't go to the games, but we'll try to keep you abreast of what's going on at Dean Court as much as we can on the pod. If you want to support us with a coffee, we'd really appreciate it because there are bills to pay. I pay personally 40 quid to StreamYard every month and then Jeff takes care of the podcast provider platform, Podiant, that we use. So it's all money and people think the YouTube channel makes money. You're having a laugh. (laughs) If only. So if you can support us with a coffee, we would appreciate it. It's afcbpodcast.com forward slash coffee. Well... There will be another lockdown interview, I'm sure, coming your way very soon. But for now, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Atoms. Oh, what a penalty. What a penalty. Fifth goal in five games. He really needed to have nerves of steel here, didn't he? Penenka-esque. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.